Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. When we see his God-centered faith and courage at age 40, you don't just arrive at that. That was built up. So we've got a man, we see in his life a trajectory of sustained faith and devotion to the Lord courage in God and I just want to say may the Lord I want to be like that but I I want to be a man who at 85 if the Lord gives me another 35 years maybe he will maybe he won't but I want to be a man who has a life of sustained courage not just flashes of courage but sustained courage uh, in the Lord and I pray that for each one of you as as well and I think we get Caleb Caleb lived before the coming of Christ and Palm Sunday and the crucifixion and the resurrection, we live after it. And if Caleb with his lesser revelation of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Yahweh in the Old Testament, if he could know God and enjoy God's grace in his life and stand for the Lord like he did, uh, then I think we who know Jesus, who, who have got the full revelation and scripture of Jesus, the king who came and lived and died and rose, how much more will we know grace from God? So, Ash, could you come back up? And we're going to read, um, we're going to look at his life aged 40, and I'm going to make some observations, and then we'll look at his life aged 85, and I'll make um, some observations. So Numbers 13, 25 to 31, please. Okay, report of the spies. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. So you got the picture. The Israelites were not yet in Israel, the promised land. Moses, who was heading up Israel, had sent the spies out. And they had come back. And we're going to hear what they're going to say. And Caleb is one of these fellas. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting you. Um, They brought back word to them all in the congregation. Uh, They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Here we go. But Caleb Mm. quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it. At once. (laughs) For we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Okay, we'll leave it there. So you got the picture. We've got Joshua and Caleb saying, it's a terrifying land, but God has said, and God is able to help us to go in and overcome. And what we've got the others saying, no, 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 don't do it. It's too terrifying. That's the, the plot, uh, which we continue in the next chapter, 14, verse 5 to 9. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. 
and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh. That's our boy, Caleb. Who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spite out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Only Lord. Only do not what? Do not rebel. Strong word, Ash. Against the Lord. <laughs> and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Don't you love that? They are our bread. We shall eat them. Um, okay, now jump ahead to verse 20 and 24. These are the last verses we're going to read about Caleb, aged 40. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Thanks, Ash. You will be back up when we look at him aged, okay. uh, aged 85. All right. So what does a life of sustained, wholehearted, God-devoted courage uh, look like? So we've got this picture of Caleb, 40 years. As I said, he's probably warmed up to this. You don't just arrive at this kind of uh, uh, love of the Lord and courage and commitment to him. But I want to make, I think it's five comments on his life aged 40 and five aged 85. Um, comment number one, aged five is a uh, age 40. He's <laughs> a tough kid. <laughs> is he had a contrary voice of faith. So more specifically, he quieted the people. And I want you to imagine the situation. This was a large gathering. The spies were bringing that bearing their report back, Moses was holding court, and Caleb didn't just speak truth and faith. He didn't just speak for the Lord. He actually had to silence other voices. And some of your translations would have said, Caleb silenced the people. This is a man aged 40 in an era and a generation where he was an absolute junior. It would be like someone 17 years old today, standing up and silencing and saying, no, be quiet, be quiet. So even before he spoke for God and spoke truth, he was a man who was up for saying, silence, be quiet. I've noticed with myself, with my soul, I need to tell it to be silent. And I've noticed that if I am just saying, Lord speak, and this is what the Lord says, sometimes that's okay to get it into me. But very often, by just saying, Lord, this is your word and this is what you're saying, I'm adding the best voice, the greatest voice, but I'm adding it to, to a, a concert of voices 
God's saying this, and my feelings, and other people are saying that, and the, the news channels are saying that. And, and what I've done is I've added God's word, which is terrific. But what I haven't done is say, be quiet. I haven't identified the lies and called it out as that. I haven't identified my own feelings, my own lack of faith. Sometimes it's not me, it's with other people. And I find when I do that, it's not as strong. Just adding God's word is not as strong as adding God's word and subtracting other voices. And we're playing for high stakes here. And I'm playing for high stakes. I'm telling you, when you turn 50, you think about a lot of things very intently. When you get to this age, every day, you know you're heading downhill, humanly speaking, that your life is shorter and it just makes you think. Today, you don't get to 50 and think I'm halfway through my life. You get to 50 and think, how many more years will the Lord graciously give me? So there's, there's like an urgency in my heart and I'm really digging here. It's like, what, may, what helped this man really stand, a great stand from Lord at 40, all the way through to 85 plus. And it's not just that he added God's voice. That's standard Christian teaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And let's fill our minds with things above, Colossians 3 says. Very good, excellent. But there's something, what is this different spirit that Caleb had? And we see a defiance here. That he was up for saying, silence, be quiet. We need to be up for saying to ourselves, silence, be quiet. Soul, why are you downcast? You call out your downcast soul like, like David did. It's not just soul, put your hope in God. It's soul, you're downcast. That shouldn't be. And put your hope in God. There's a be quiet. And there's a what are you saying, Lord? And we need to be good at doing that for ourselves if we're going to be like Caleb to ourselves and to those in our families and friends. You know, in, our, in the culture we live in, it's harder and harder to call one another out, isn't it? There's an immense offense taken at the phrase, my truth. If you're watching uh, Oprah with Harry and Meghan, the question she asked is, Meghan, what's your truth? And we're not people like that. We, we don't have my truth or your truth. We have the Lord's truth. And to be able to say, to say, Sean, Sean, and here, Sean's going to be able to receive that. If he's a man of the spirit of Caleb, he's going to be able to swallow and gulp, not take offense and say, thanks, brother. I need to be the same. One of the big horrors of going through the decades is you realize you've got more and more things to learn in each decade. We've got to get better and better at welcoming people who say, shh, no, 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 shh, rather this. In our families, in our friends, even in, in church life, we need to be able to welcome correction. We need to be able to have the courage to bring it as well. And obviously this was an absolutely poignant moment and I'm sure he said, be quiet, silence, shh, quiet, brothers, quiet, listen. Obviously we don't do that one-on-one -on -one with each other. It's more like shoulder. It's like, no, shh, listen. How you do it is, is important, but we don't want to therapeutic everything down to the lowest common denominator. He said, be quiet and listen. The next thing um, is he called them to immediate action. 
and Christian leadership in our generation today that calls for any action gets you into trouble. So a, a sermon that actually preaches for a verdict of who is your king? Are you just putting down palms and singing a song, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Or are you really up for laying down your life, not just your palm, not just your cloak? And what does that mean today and what does it mean tomorrow? Christian leadership that's provocative and that we feel pinned when a message comes, a sermon comes, and we feel pinned to the wall, very unpopular today. Yet he didn't just call to action, he called to immediate action. He didn't say form a committee. He didn't say start a 10-week small group to work out, to work this idol out of your life. He said immediate action, we must go up immediately. And the, the pressure, it doesn't, we don't read it here, but I mean, we can guess what people said. It's like, that's reckless. We need to get prepared. Three more months, Caleb, and then the harvest. And Caleb said, no, do not say three more months. To, to, we go immediately. Friends, what it will be the immediate response from today, from Palm Sunday, from this message. There is an, an, an inertia that the enemy wants to keep us in. And the voice of the Lord, the voice of Caleb is at once. Stop doing that at once. Say sorry to that person at once. Fix that thing at once. Better to do an obedient thing at once, not perfectly, than to never do an obedient thing perfectly. <laughs> uh, third thing, the stage of life, his personal passion spilled into public declaration. I noticed that he tore his clothes. When, when the people did not follow the Lord wholeheartedly as he was advocating for, it wasn't just a, oh well, what can you do? Well, we, what can you do? Well, what can you do? He tore his clothes. This was a man who was personally thrilled by the purposes of God. Flip it, he was personally devastated when the people of God were not all the people of God could be and should be. Reminds me of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah, who was in Susa, heard that the walls of Jerusalem, the people of God, were down, can you remember what he did? Wept for three days. There's some fasting and prayer happening this week in this church. Wonderful. That's part of that. It's personally being broken. Nehemiah, when he heard the walls of Jerusalem were down, his, he was thinking, this is terrible. There's no distinction of the people of God. Anything and anyone just comes and goes in and out. I'm not saying we shouldn't be hospitable. Bringing in the lost, very welcoming. But his horror was that there was no distinction to the people of God. What is different from the, between the church and some other group, some other social group, some other good group? But what's the difference? Are the value differences? Are the belief differences? And Nehemiah wept for three days and then the Lord used him mightily. Caleb tore his clothes. He owned it to such a point. Personally invested. Oh God, help me with that. Might God help us with that? 
And the next one, I notice, and again, this is provocative to me, probably to you as well. His faith was fueled by fear of irreverence. Again, not popular today. Usually today, our faith, our faith is provoked, our faith is fueled with more positive sounding reasons. Like, if you obey the Lord, you will be blessed. But here we see Caleb saying, no, it's rebellion. If we don't obey the Lord, it's rebellion. It's despising God. It's contempt of God. Those were words that are used in this passage, either by Caleb or by the Lord. So this is a very provocative bit. That lack of faith, lack of action, faith-fueled action is not neutral. Passivity can be sin. And I'm provoked today with, with Palm Sunday. Is Jesus my king or is he my service provider? Because if he really is my king, if I don't obey him, that's actually rebellion. It's not neutral. Is um, I'm British and the royal family, you, if you're a Brit, you love them or hate them. And uh, those who love them, they don't really want to obey the queen. It's just nice to get her out onto the balcony. <laughs> it makes us feel good as Brits. Oh, we have a, a royal entity. They don't make any laws and it's just as well because we don't want to obey her. But we like having, a, we like having sort of some of the regal... Pre and, and my goodness, isn't Princess Kate pretty? And William and... How did he get her? We're never not quite too sure, are we? But he did and... Oh, the royals, the royals. And the royals are nice, and we bring them out onto the balcony a few times a year to make us feel good. So the question is, is, is Jesus that? Is he a royal or is he a reigning king? That's the challenge every Sunday, really, but on Palm Sunday. And we just see with Caleb, he had crossed over from God is a royal who makes me feel good to, to, to God is my king, and I want to obey God help me obey. And then we go to him aged 85. For the, our remaining time, please jump to Joshua chapter... Actually, I think I'll read this. Uh, Joshua, Joshua 14. Joshua 14, verse 6. So now it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? What's he going to be like uh, 45 years later? How's this fella turned out? Because he took a big hit, didn't he, here? Him and Joshua, they didn't get their way. Is he going to be cynical, disillusioned? Will he have lost his fervor? Let's find out. Joshua, Joshua 14, 6. Joshua 14, 6. Can I just say how encouraging this is? Whenever we have a guest preacher... The board Okay. Okay, so shall I um, just carry on? We've got this one recording. Okay. Your church with your, mis your technological mishaps encouraged me so much. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, we had Donnie Griggs at our church last week. It was just tech disaster area. Um, we did this all on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Joshua's... 
Joshua 15.6. Quick uh, clap for the sound guy. Sound guys, we notice when they mess up. We need to give them more credit when they get it right. Thank you. Uh, Joshua 14.6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb uh, said... So this is now 45 years later. Uh, Caleb is speaking. And Joshua is now leading the people. And he says, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me, Joshua. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought him word uh, again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord, my God. This is what we've just read, him commentating on it 45 years later. And Moses swore on that day, surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance for you and your children forever. You and your children forever, because you've wholly followed the Lord. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. So they, because of the disobedience of the other spies, the people, they stayed in the desert for 40 years longer than necessary. Now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. Now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke to me 45 years ago. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Joshua blessed him and said, go get him. All right, so what do we see in this man uh, 45 years later? A few things. He's resentment-free. The people, he got it right. His fellow spies got it wrong because they got it wrong. It was 40 years, say 40 years. 40 years of pain and hardship. He was not responsible for that. They were because they got it wrong, because of their sin, because of their lack of faith. He took a hit for 40 years. And we, we find him now referring to these idiots who got it wrong as what? My brothers. So my brothers got it wrong. He is a man who's re- resentment free. Brothers and sisters, there will be multiple opportunities for us to fill up, become full of resentment and bitterness and cynicism. Your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your partner, your family, your friends, your church, there will be opportunities when people do you wrong. And the answer, we're not told how Caleb got through it, but we know from other places in the Bible how to get through it. Do you want my top two tips of how I try and get through resentment? Uh, Top tip number one is I look at how much God has forgiven me, which is this much. And then I look at how much the person has offended me. This much. It's not not this, not, not nothing, it's this much. But compared to how much God has forgiven me, it's virtually nothing. And I fill myself with how much my king has forgiven me. And that seems to empower me to forgive the person who's done me harm. Uh, Top tip number two is to be proactive. Like he was, Caleb, in calling them brothers. I move towards, not away. I said, you're my brother, you're my sister. God will give you words and actions as appropriate to do that. But resentment-free, hallelujah. May the Lord keep us. 
And secondly, God's timing. I can't speak for Caleb, but in my life, every single time, God moves slower than I think he should. (laughs) Just saying. And I'm 50 years old, and you might think, surely you've figured out why that is. I have, I think. It's because if God gave me what I wanted when I wanted, knowing me, I would get more excited about the gift than the giver. And I would move into God, you are my heavenly slot machine. And look, oh, you've done it again. And oh, you've done it again. And the weight, every time, the weight. God's design is that I lean into him and say, God, why why is this taking time? And draws me in. Oh, you're my father. And I've got things to learn. And you're still on the throne. And it, it just takes my eyes off myself and onto him. I've got three sons. They're big now. When they were yay high, I would have candy and I'd hold it up, and they said, Dad, can I have it? And I said, sure, if you can get it. <laughs> and they would come, and a, a wrestle would ensue, and they would often get the candy 10 minutes l- longer after they, they wanted it. They wanted the candy, but I wanted them. And I wanted them to wrestle with me. And that's what, what seems to be with me, with the Lord, what it's like. He will withhold the candy, because he wants me to come in and wrestle with him. Because he knows I need him more than the thing he's giving me. The next thing is, aged 85, he was still happy with risk. Comfortable with risk. He said, it may be that the Lord will give me Hebron and I will drive it out. This piece of the promised land that the Lord had promised him. It may be. This was a man who hadn't fought his battles. He was still fighting the fight of faith. Don't you want to grow old? sit on the porch with friends, watching your grandkids play, talking together about how the Lord is still using you. How the Lord's still using us, still in the fight of faith. A couple more. He retained his vigor for war. We got this old boy, I don't know if he was limping. We got this chap in our church called Vernon. He's like 70 something and he, he, he walks with a limp and he's like, he's a big Harley, former Harley Davidson rider. And he limps because he fell off his bike and got injured and stuff. And I, I think of Caleb as Vernon. Vernon sort of walks around like this, just speaking God's truth to us. It's magnificent. I don't know if he's limping, but he was saying, I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago, this old boy with beard and saggy skin. I promise you I'm as strong today as I was 40 years, 45 years ago. But he said, he said, I'm as strong today for war. Please say for war. Not just, not just retiring. He's strong for war. He, he remained undomesticated. Have you seen Rocky Three? I'm not talking about the modern Creed movies when Rocky is now the trainer. Stallone is the trainer in the recent ones. In the old ones, he was the fighter. And in Rocky Three, he's like, he's just hit the top of the... He is the most famous fighter in the world and he gets taken out by a, a baddie fighter. And his old sort of gnarled trainer says to him, Rocky, the worst thing that could happen to any fighter has happened to you. You got domesticated. (laughs) It's magnificent. Movie magic moments, you know. This little old guy saying to Rocky, 
Don't get domesticated, PJ Smile. You don't get domesticated. And then finally, here's a cameo. I wonder what he was like two years later. Now he's got it all. What's he gonna be like? Well, there's this beautiful little moment when his daughter comes to him. It's probably two years after they've moved into the hill country of Hebron. And what's he become? Has he, has he become this guy who just expects unlimited honor from people for a life well lived? Well, his daughter comes to him in Joshua 15, verse 18. And she came to him, she urged him to ask, and she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to Axar, his daughter, she got off her donkey, Caleb said to her, pay me some respect. No, what do you want? Isn't that beautiful? The first question when someone younger and his daughter approaches him, said, what can I do for you? Not time for me. He's still on it, man. He's like our heavenly father, isn't he? What can I do for you? And she said, well, you've given me uh, the desert. Can I also have springs of water? And he says, sure. And he gives her his springs of water. Well, I like a couple of things about this. I love his disposition to be generous and to help. But I also like how his example has rubbed off on his girl. We've been reading, haven't we, about God saying there will be a blessing to both you and your descendants. It's come up a couple of times. Caleb, your obedience will bless not only you, but your descendants. We've been reading that. And every act of God devotion and obedience, friends, is noticed by our children or our spiritual children, those younger than us and around us. It's noticed. And she has caught some of his spirit. 45 years ago, he was saying, no, God's gonna give us this land. 45, for, uh, 45 years after that, age 85, he's saying to Joshua, Moses said, now give me my mountain. Joshua, give me my mountain. God, give me my mountain. And we've got his daughter saying, dad, you've given me the desert. Can you also give me springs of water? He has rubbed off on his little girl. Hallelujah. And here's the punchline. He did it all without the revelation of Jesus that we had. He had a more general revelation of Yahweh. Yahweh had not sent his son Jesus yet. He now has, and we look back, don't we? We look back on the, the Palm Sunday and the death and then now the resurrection of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. Our revelation of God through Jesus is explicit and clear and wonderful. He, they didn't have so much back then, yet we do. And I think if Caleb was alive today, I think he'd have made Palm Sunday one of his top three Sundays of the year, because he was a man who really did live with Jesus as his king, not just his royal. Hallelujah. Friends, I'm a stop. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper together. But I do pray that you would know with the help of the Lord, a Caleb-like different spirit. And uh, certainly I'm praying that for my own life uh, on this weekend that I've turned 50. Let's pray together. Let's just ask God's spirit to come and embed the seed in our heart. Please come Holy Spirit now. 
I do feel just that first point on what voice do you need to tell to be quiet? I do feel that's a key one for many of us. It's not just receiving the Lord's word. It's quieting other words. Holy Spirit, would you bring those things to mind? And with a Caleb-like different spirit, we say to those voices, be silent. There might be some immediate action required. The other one, just as I was preaching, you know, sometimes when you preach, you feel God's spirit just on a particular part. I felt as we touched on resentment that the Lord was here wonderfully to help us through on that. Holy Spirit, we need your help to shed resentment, to speak of others as brothers and sisters, even when they've wronged us. Come Holy Spirit. Mercy Commons, I feel the Lord would want to say to you collectively that there is a land ahead flowing with milk and honey. I feel the Lord would say, don't read too much into COVID. We were just kind of getting going as a church, weren't you? Then hello, COVID. We're Mercy Commons. The Lord is with us. Then COVID hits. I feel the Lord would want you to hold your faith amongst multiple voices of inertia and discouragement. The Lord has said, go up into that land flowing with milk and honey. Do not throw away your confidence, says the Lord. The king whom you hold out, the message that you speak is one of life from God. Do not throw away your confidence. Stir it up again. Ask the Lord for your mountain. The worldwide church is stronger when you get your Hebron. Father, I pray for a stirring of faith. I pray for a, a, an undomesticated warrior spirit that these, these men and women would fight with the weapons of love. I pray there'd be a stirring, a Caleb spirit stirring for this next season, individually and collectively. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.